It should be obvious that we cannot solve a crisis with the same methods that got us into it in the first place. This is a last chance saloon. Because if we don't really take the decisions that are vital now, it's going to be almost impossible to catch up. We will end the moratorium on extracting our huge reserves of shale, which could get glass flowing as soon as six months. If unprecedented changes are not made and made soon, there will be irreversible damage to the planet. Zero carbon. East tall. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbon Easter Series 4 Fool's Gold. I'm Ian Collins and this is the UK's number one environment-based podcast. As we always seem to say, if it's green, it is in. Uh, let's speak to our man with his fit. No, I tell you what, I won't do it. Let this lady do it. Dale Vince founded the green energy provider Ecotricity. He's donated to the Labour Party as well as other parties. Among other protest groups, he's a prominent financial supporter of Just Stop Oil, who campaign, sometimes controversially, against fossil fuels. But there it is, Dale. She does it so much better than me. Uh, I wouldn't say that, actually. I don't think anybody does it better than you. And, and that's not, not that's not blown smoke, right? I mean, I just think you have the most <laughs> glorious introductions. Uh, Mike, Mike Graham's maybe a close second. He, he gave me a great yeah. introduction last time I was on with him. That's brilliant. Fiona Bruce comes. I mean, that was a lovely moment. Of course, this uh, for, for those who didn't see it, this was question time just a few days ago. Did you enjoy it? Uh, I did, all the way up in Fleetwood. I turned them down for like two weeks solid. Uh, they got to the point of begging and, and Fiona Bruce asked me personally, I hope I'm not like, um, I don't know, <laughs> saying something I shouldn't say here. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, no, no, that's quite that's quite nice, yeah. You know, really didn't want to go because it's so far and disruptive and stuff like that. But uh, last minute, the day before, I said, you know what, I'll do it. It seemed to make sense to me. And then at the end of the show, we all had chips. So I said, you should have said there were chips at the get-go. We could have saved all of this trouble. Well, I was going to say, yeah, the chip is always the deal breaker. If they'd just Because I know that they do have food at the end of it, but it's interesting because I, I, I think they used to have like a full – like a banquet, and now it's chips. There's austerity for you right there at the BBC. <laughs> from a fish and chip van, apparently, chips. as well. It wasn't even from, like, a brick building. It was from a van. Which, which well, it's handy, because the world's most famous vegan food that everybody forgets about, we say it all the time, yeah. is chips. Yeah, absolutely. I've so, even got a T-shirt that says it. Uh, what about your fellow panellists, Dale? How did you get on with these guys? Well, like uh, Johnny Mercer, I, I Tory MP, uh, I met him, like, before the show, and I thought he was a nice enough guy. Amusingly, on the way in, he said to me, I've got a dossier on you, and he waved this thick sheet of papers at me. He's like, you must have one on me. I'm like, well, no, actually. So uh, I think he'd been briefed by a Conservative Party HQ to come on the show yeah. and do a number, which he spectacularly failed to do. The Labour shadow uh, education Bridget uh, person was, I thought she was really good, really coherent and clear and, uh, and you know, great in arguing with Johnny. And then, then there was Kate Andrews from The Spectator, and I just thought, do you know what? What are you here for? <laughs> I didn't like what she said. I didn't like the way she said it. You know, she's basically trying to tell us right at the start of the show that we should privatise the NHS, uh, which I railed against. You know, I'm like, where has privatisation ever worked? I don't think even. Um, yeah, I saw. I, I saw that clip. I don't. I mean, you and Mercer would have been together on that point then, really, because he, he. I don't think he believes that either. Well, <laughs> it's interesting because he was saying basically the NHS is fine. There's nothing to see here. She was saying it's like the worst in the world and you need to privatize it. And, and I'm like saying, 
it, it is bad, right? But it's been underfunded and undermined by the Tories for 13 years. And the staff have been treated terribly, going from like heroes during the pandemic to zeros 18 months later when they wanted a fair pay rise. Yep. And all of this got like huge applause from the audience. So yep. I'm saying, yes, it's bad, but privatization isn't going to make it better because it hasn't done it for energy, for rail, for water. You know, we've got sewage everywhere, for example, in, in that industry. You know, it's a morally bankrupt ideology, morally and economically and visibly bankrupt. Corruption. I mean, Thames Water literally are on the verge of bankruptcy. I mean, who, after all these decades of privatization, the experiment, yeah. can say that it worked? Yeah. So I thought it was really foolish of her just to bang on with loads of stats and stuff like that. And But that wasn't the only clash of the evening. There were a few. And the bouncer, amusingly, big security man, told me when we were eating chips, he was like, um, this is the first show I think ever that I've had to stand up because I thought something was about to kick off. Really? The, ba- <laughs> the bouncer, the question time bouncer? I mean, this is great at Showbiz Insight. The question time bouncer? <laughs> right. the hell's? I mean, I know Bruce can get a bit ninja on the audience if she doesn't like the look of someone. So maybe it was that. Yeah, we had a moment where she said, well, you know, you aren't answering the question, which which was so untrue. And I'm like, oh, I'm answering the questions. I'm even answering the questions that you forgot, right? Because there was a question about houses that I picked up and uh, in good humor, right? That kind of uh, thing. She did try to shut me up a couple of times. At one point she said, this is not the Dale Vince show, but quite humorously, because um, I just couldn't stop myself talking once I started. Yeah, but you see, underneath it all, uh, they love all that and question time like that. And you get this opportunity you, you can sit quietly on the sidelines and, and proffer a little bit of gentle wisdom, or you can go the f- for it. And you took the latter route. And, and you, saw it, you know, you were the standout panelist on it. And that's what they secretly, they can't say it aloud because it would sound biased in some respects, but that's what they want. Yeah. They, they did love it. They said it was a great episode and um, I'm, I'm sure I'll be back. I thought Johnny bombed. I don't know why he did it, but to say that just off oil of funding labor was just so, so calamitous for him. And to claim that the Tories invented the minimum wage, again, a massive mistake. And so he didn't really manage to get on the front foot, I think, because everybody's going, no, they didn't, no, they didn't, you know, kind of stuff. <laughs> well, that's, that's a classic example is it, it, the equation a lot of people do before they go on it. And I've known so many people that have gone on it and, and, and people that have worked on it as well. You either stand loads to lose or, you, you can only gain. And I think you were in the latter category and somebody like, you know, at this stage of a Tory government, it wouldn't have mattered who you'd have put there. Really. They're always going to sound like a bit of a, well, as me old Nan would have said, a bit of a dick. There was no way around <laughs> that really. Yeah. And, but you know, such a silly thing to say. I mean, I, I know that all politicians try to get away with twisting the truth and stuff, but this was so blatant to claim to have created the minimum wage, you know, for example, just got to, like I said to him, you're so careless with your words, Johnny. The things he was saying, it was just like maybe he didn't realize that we, we were listening. Yeah, I think he was probably talking about something about a living wage, but the, the I mean, that's mm. not. That's, right. that's a rebranded minimum wage. So the Tories Correct. Can own it. Correct. And, and, right. and of course, the Tories argued against the minimum wage. Big that's point. The, that's Big the time. point. So. Yeah. Why you would say something that's so demonstrably untrue. And what they're trying to do with the Just Stop Oil thing is they've come up with this line and they think, oh, this will learn them. We just keep saying that they're, they're funded by Just Stop Oil because Just Stop Oil piss off a lot of our voters when they're trying to drive down the road. So if we keep saying that, people will believe it. But I don't even think Tory voters believe that, Dale. I genuinely don't think Tory voters actually believe that. Who could believe it? Just up all don't fund other it's people. It's not fucking true. That's why they don't believe it. <laughs> it's, it's, so dumb. it's kind of it's that so dumb. simple. 
You remind me, I saw a, um, a report in the news, I think it might have been today or yesterday, uh, some academics have done a study into this question that uh, gets thrown at me all the time on, on right-wing news outlets, basically that, you know, just our boiler failing, they aren't bringing people with them and disruption doesn't work, blah, blah, blah. These academics have done a study and they reckon that disruption is working. Wow. You know, not in terms of like getting people to join just our boiler, but I don't think that's their aim. Uh, but it actually is working in terms of changing, uh, you know, the debate and, and bringing attention to the issue. Very interesting. I'm going to have to tell my friend Mike next time I'm on this show. Yeah, I think you should, yeah. I, I mean, the, the impressive thing about the Wimbledon, let's throw a jigsaw puzzle in the air bit, was the fact that a man who was about 150 was able to run around a tennis court. I thought, <laughs> Bless him. You know, but Bless regardless him. of what you think of the course, you know, this fellow wasn't stopping and it took two people to bring him down. Yeah, he done well. And I've seen a picture of him on social media sat in the in the court there with his T-shirt yeah, on, I saw that. Uh, with his arms folded. And the words he wrote underneath were really moving. He said, I'll show this picture to my grandkids to prove to them that I did everything that I could. That was really is. moving. Here's a question from Alistair Black, who says, Dale, what are your opinions on orbital marine? As far as I can see, the design deals with issues associated with tidal power. Is this something ecotricity are going to get involved with? I think we better explain what orbital marine is, Dale. Yeah, go on then. I don't know. Do you know? I think I think it's a you know it's a it's a tidal generator. I think it's a brand of tidal generator. Yeah, I'm guessing there's a tidal component by his latter point. But uh, yeah, and these these are generators that are kind of held uh, under the surface of the water in a tidal stream, uh, and they make electricity. Listen, I mean, generally we're in support in principle of tidal and wave energy, you know, tidal stream and wave energy, um, as well as tidal lagoons and and basically anything that will work. I think. The fundamental problem out in the ocean trying to make electricity is you're, you're combining two, uh, you know, two very expensive things, quite often a submarine and an electricity generator. You know, they, they, they don't mix and, and, it, and it really, really raises the cost. I, I think there must be scope for that technology, but it needs a breakthrough in cost. Uh, the tidal lagoons we're looking at look like they'll produce energy for five pence a unit, which is, you know, bonkers low. And that's how it looks in theory. I think um, tidal stream probably in the region of double that, but I haven't looked recently. But that's the challenge for, for marine energy to get the cost down. Onshore wind and solar have done that, right? They're so cheap now, they need no public money. So they ought to be at the forefront of what we're doing. Yeah. Hi, I'm Mike Graham from Talk TV, and I've been asked to tell you about green issues and a new book called Manifesto. It's brilliant, apparently. Do you believe in climate change? I don't. Do you believe we all need to find a greener way of living our lives? No, I don't either. I think it's all a load of guff perpetuated by loony lefties and eco-zealots hell-bent on causing a nuisance. Do you believe we're all killing our beautiful planet? No. Neither do I, but I know a fellow who does. His name's Dale Vince. He's so convinced he's written a whole book about it called Manifesto. The Battle for Green Britain. It's part memoir, part handbook for changing the world and shaking it up, apparently. I won't be buying it, but you can if you want to waste your hard-earned cash. It's $4.99. Pretty cheap, isn't it? You must be wealthy as hell. According to this script, it's available now from fgr.co.uk forward slash shop. What was the other story? You sent a story earlier today about meat products oh, yeah. found in vegan food. What the hell was that yeah. about? Yeah, Trading Standards, bless them, had gone and checked a whole load of uh, supermarket foods that were labelled vegan or plant-based, and they found something like 30% were contaminated with uh, animal products. Even the fake meat was contaminated with like real meat. Wow. Oh, my God. It's so disgusting. I think some of it is just cross-contamination in the factory that, that handles two different things. The kind that actually I think, killed somebody that ate a sandwich from Pret that had dairy in it, uh, which is, yeah. you know, Trading Standards is making a very good point. There are no 
minimum thresholds percentage-wise for the uh, dairy, let's say, content of something that's meant to be dairy-free. And a lot of people with allergies, extreme allergies, count on plant-based food and vegan food to be completely free of animal products. But there is no legal definition of vegan or plant-based when it comes to food and what it can contain. So companies can be doing this deliberately. I don't know why they would, but they can be doing it deliberately. Yeah. When people read those stories, they think, oh, it's half a pork chop in McQuorn. It doesn't have to be that, does it? It could be it could be something, as you say, you know, within the same food surfaces that they're working on. Yeah, uh, I think that's been, most frequently no, that. There's been no care to kind of wipe it down and separate it. It's a bit of a scare story for vegans. And let's say I feel it personally, like, you know, it makes me less willing to buy stuff from supermarkets and stuff. I'm not that willing anyway. Uh, to begin with, but you know, you we basically can't trust processed food to to be what it says on the label. Uh, what about this one? Shell Boss reckons cutting fossil fuel production is dangerous. You and I talked about this on the, yeah. the telly this week as well. He says mm, it's yes. uh, it's dangerous and silly. Um, I think it comes under the category of he would say that, wouldn't he? Yeah, and and actually, I think he framed the the debate with his statement in a disingenuous way because nobody let's say Just Stop Oil or the environment movement, is saying let's cut production. We're saying let's not make new stuff. Let's not drill for new oil and gas. That's a very different thing. And, you know, the United Nations have said that it's moral and economic madness to drill for new oil and gas. That's what they say. Uh, And this fella says, oh, we can't cut production. That would be dangerous. It's a false frame of the argument that he's making here. Nobody's saying that. He's the boss we, of we Shell haven't... Oil, Dale. He knows his shit, know. right? This guy knows know oil. He... he knows stuff. Listen to the man. It's dangerous. He does know shit. He does know <laughs> shit. He speaks it. <laughs> because, you know, he's, he, he also said, like, you know, we aren't building enough renewable energy. And it's like, hang on a minute, Mr. Shell. You live in a greenhouse here throwing stones because Shell spends 1.5% of all of its capital expenditure, the big money that they spend on new stuff, only 1.5% of that is spent on renewable energy. So, you know, he's one of the guilty parties that aren't building enough, doing enough right now on the renewable energy front. But I think it's wrong. I think it's criminal. It should be illegal for big oil and gas companies not to transition faster. They've got the wherewithal. They've got huge funding. And they've got all the engineers and stuff that they need in the world to do that. Here's another one that should be kind of encouraging in a curious way, Dale. Research suggests that improving soil could keep the planet within the 1.5 Celsius increase. Yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting piece of research or headline, at least I haven't read the report, but basically it's about improving soil health. And what's happened is modern agriculture has depleted carbon from the soil. And uh, and that, that means it's harder to grow crops. You need more pesticides and fertilizers and that kind of stuff. Basically, this is about treating the soil better. It will lock up massive amounts of carbon in the process, and it will grow better food for us, more nutritious food. So it's a big old win-win, you know. And uh, the only problem is we've got to change what the agricultural sector does. And, you know, that's, that's not an easy thing. Yeah, true. Jane on Twitter, uh, I don't know how you managed to stay so calm. I'd have ripped Piers Morgan's face off. Uh, this this is obviously going back to the last time you were on Piers Morgan, right? And it was good fun, actually. Um, again, it was good fun. And I got to, like, you know, prod him a little bit. I mean, he's one of these guys that uh, just, just likes to exaggerate. He said, uh, just like world protesters are wrecking people's lives. 
I'm like, whoa, hang on a minute. That's an exaggeration. We're talking about a few minutes of cricket or a few minutes of tennis, right? While the global uh, climate crisis has killed 4 million people and makes 20 million people homeless every year. I said, that's real disruption. You know, that's real wrecking of lives, FFS. This one comes in from Ronnie on Twitter. Dale, is all your money going on buying big sporting tickets for the Just Stop Oil people? But they do show up at some pretty pre- – they've been to the snooker, they've been to the cricket, they've now been to Wimbledon. Is that what they're well, doing true. with the money, Dale? Have you got a special account at Viagogo or something? <laughs> As I tell the exasperated Mike Graham, I don't know – basically who they are, uh, you know, what they do with the money, what they're planning. I don't know anything about them. You know, I have a conversation with a couple of them. They're lovely people. I know that. And the people I met on the demonstration were lovely people. And they're nothing like the stereotype of the media, you know, whether it's like um, middle class activists or jobless people or I don't know, whatever it is they say, the stereotypes just don't fit the people that actually that you meet in the movement. I think it might have been on with Pierce. He said something like that. And I'm like, oh, well, I think that that guy at the tennis looks a bit older than that, Pierce, you know, because, yeah. you know, he tried the usual kind of young yobos, you know, university students, whatever kind of stuff, you know. But it wasn't that. It's quality fodder, Dale. It's quality fodder. Listen, <laughs> Drax could lose energy subsidies over compliance issues. Tell us about Drax. And why might they lose their subsidies? Well, Drax is like a Bond villain, isn't it, to me? That's the, that's what the name conjures up. And in this case, it, I mean, they probably are a villain. It's a coal-fired power station, a massive coal-fired power station that's converted to burning trees instead. And these trees are coming from Canada, and it turns out it's like virgin rainforest or Canada's equivalent to the rainforest. Even though Drax have denied it for years, a big undercover operation exposed that uh, last year sometime. And, uh, you know, what they're doing is really hideous. And they claim that the, the trees, when they burn them, are carbon neutral. They leave the carbon footprint behind. They leave that in Canada. And they say this stuff magically gets chopped up, crosses the Atlantic with a zero carbon footprint. You know, well, come on, are we stupid or what? Um, so I'm, I'm happy. If they lose the subsidies, I think it's a good job. I mean, they have had mad amounts of money from us for the fake green energy and, and the burning of, uh, you know, prime uh, Canadian forests, which just shouldn't be allowed. So, Question here from Kieran who says, if I object to Ecotricity giving my bill money to Just Stop Oil, what can I do? Uh, you could leave us and don't pay your bill money to us is all I can think of, honestly, because you aren't going to change our stance, right? I think what Just Stop Oil are doing is brave. It's historically important. I think we look back in 10 or 20 years' time at them like the suffragette movement, you know, people that just put themselves out there to bring about a big change that the government of the day simply wouldn't listen to. I think that probably speaks to Kieran, like because his, his actual message was a little saltier than that. So I, I <laughs> just clean, cleaned it up a little bit for the broadcast. Bless, but look, don't be frustrated, Kieran. You know, just go, just go somewhere else. Pay your bill money to you know yeah. to somebody that buys bird trees from Drax or something. You know? Yeah, go and see the man from Shell. He will love you. Um, (laughs) and a final one to finish on incredible news story because this has had global attention that's the interim coach at Forest Green Rovers Um, and this story has clearly got a lot of momentum for one very obvious reason Dale (laughs) so we made the first appointment of a female in English football at the top flight you know top four divisions Uh, it may have happened elsewise and it's somebody from within our club Hannah Dingley who's been leading our academy for four years and and at that point, when we made that appointment, she was the first female to lead an academy in English football. Uh, and um, basically, we, we had the vacancy. She's the most qualified coach at our club. So it was obvious to offer her the, the role, the interim role. And although we knew it was a first and we thought there'd be some uh, media interest, uh, honestly, we weren't prepared for what came. It was the most intense 
uh, thing I, I think that I've experienced. And, uh, you know, we've had a lot of media attention, not just as a football club, but um, it was on the same day we played our first preseason friendly down in Melksham. And um, we were inundated with uh, inquiries to the extent that we organized a press conference after the game. And I sat in a room with about 30 journalists, six cameras and a whole host of, uh, you know, radio and print people behind them and an array of microphones on the desk. And I said to him at one point, I keep getting these these feelings of being in an episode of Ted Lasso. It was just <laughs> surreal, actually. It's just surreal. And great fun. You know, we had, yeah. we had great fun with it and was able to make good points. You know, the, the question came up at one point, what would you say to somebody that says it's a gimmick? This wasn't at the press conference, it was before the game. And I said, well, fuck off, actually, because that's insulting. <laughs> that's insulting to Hannah, to the club and to women in football. Well, generally, and, yeah, yeah. Get completely. Yeah. That, so. yeah. And that, that made it to the Guardian, that quote. And uh, and I think in the sun as well, I mean, it was, it was off the cuff, right? It was just off the cuff. But I mean, it's the truth. That's well, what I would say. I wouldn't retract it. I think that's a completely fair position to take. Isn't it? There it is. Yeah, so, so there we go. That's it for this week. Um, have a cracking week. We'll speak next Friday. Yeah, cool. Oh, I'd just say if, uh, off the back of this, I'm in Manchester at the moment. People won't know this. Just been to a sustainability event on a stage with the two mayors, Liverpool and Manchester, Steve Rother, Mandy Burnham, talking about how we. Uh, how we turn the Northwest into a green energy superpower. We just unveiled the results of a six-month study that shows a massive amount of green energy up here. And they were talking about the other stuff they're doing, electrifying transport, public transport, and that kind of stuff. Just had a brilliant day. Fantastic. That's it for this episode. Don't forget, of course, you can follow this podcast from your podcast provider so that you get each new episode automatically. Uh, make sure you leave a review there as well. Really important bit is to follow Dale on social media. That's twitter.com slash Dale Vince, facebook.com slash Dale Vince. Zero carbon. East off.